0: We're just going to get right into it, man. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you may find yourself as you listen to this. And welcome to the only sports podcast of Brains and Bars. You're tuning into another episode of It's a Black and White Thing featuring A1 and Award. You can check out every episode of It's a Black and White Thing by going to the podcast app of your choice, searching for It's a Black and White Thing or Brains and Bars. Like, share, subscribe, review, rate, all that good stuff. You can also check out every episode of it's a black and white thing by going to youtube searching for brains and bars rate review comment subscribe all that good stuff man tap in with us tell a friend and tell a friend it's those boys again i would like to say you know thank you to everyone who's been tapping in with us i just did a quick you know search on analytics we are a small podcast we are not doing crazy numbers out here and i don't want to act like we are, but we are thankful for the views and for the people who listen, whether it be on the YouTube version, whether it be on the Google podcast or Apple or Spotify, however you listen. I appreciate y'all again, man. Keep telling the people about us, though. Help us get out there a little bit more. Um, you know. I'm not sure I want this to be. Well, I'll save that thought for later, but I will say this as a you know, small time content creator, like the last couple of weeks. Have been a little bit rough for your boy with the home life family ailments and things going on. And there have been days where, like, I'm like, I need to record something because we this would have been two weeks without us doing a show. And it's just like, if you follow this show for any length of time, if you wanted one of the homies, you know this show takes long. Uh sabbaticals so you can't even call it a hiatus, it's just a sabbatical, like we'll just disappear for like six, seven months at a time, pop back up, record for a little bit, disappear. So trying to be more consistent, trying to be better about it. Um, and so you know, uh, shout out Mama Ward in the building. I always appreciate you. Hope you hope your week is well. Um, I appreciate those those of you who rock with us who um, like I said, uh it's all appreciated. So um got a couple of things I'm gonna get into tonight you know we're gonna talk a little bit about Avatar the live uh adaptation that took place on Netflix we're gonna talk a little bit about college football and expansion we're gonna talk a little bit about um oh goodness what's the other thing we're gonna talk about court storming a little bit Um, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about the Chiefs um and free agency for them so Stick around. And I got, you know, at the end of the show, because it is, you know, mostly a sports show, but we also talk about a rap shout out to the homie. A Ward, a. Ward is probably if he's not in uh, New York, he is on his way to New York. He's going to be on Queen of the Queen of the Ring tomorrow. Taking on Bonnie Godiva, um, YTG on YTG Crime going on tomorrow at queen of the ring in new york so i believe there is a via a pay-per-view for that so if you haven't purchased a pay-per-view please get that and check that out and support the homies support the ladies support female battle rap because it's going to be going down right um we're, we're quick we got on this card we got Jay love versus chrissy yamaguchi rainfire moon versus tasha the author um seabree the lyricist is on this on this card j2 versus k profit should be a really good battle j2 had a really good performance versus jc that dropped on the url app don lady versus torture so a bunch of recognizable well-known names pull up check it out man support um like i said you can get the uh looks like there's a pre-order for the pay-per-view so shout out to a ward in his absence man we hope to have him back next week Um, but yeah, man, let's get into it, man. Let's talk about this. So first off, I got a couple of things I need to get off my chest, right? Just a few things. Number one, I need for us as a uh, community, as a society, we got to do something about these prices, man, because it's getting out of hand. It's getting crazy out here. And it's been crazy, right? Like I don't want to act like it just got crazy. But sometimes you 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 go to pay for something or you go to do something and then like like the price, it just it sticker shocks you, right? So for me, that point was uh last week, you know, I had some people over at the house looking at the house, doing some work, yada, 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 whatever. So I'm working from home to start my day. Uh, we had had my wife had made some hamburgers the night before. So I had that as a leftovers. We we had some fries, but we knocked out the rest of the fries that we had at the crib. So I wanted some fries to go with my burger. Right. So I'm like, yo, I'm going I'm to um, hit up McDonald's. Um, It's right. One right by the crib. You know what I'm saying? And I think they got the best fast food fries in the game. Gave me some fries with my burger and we're going to have a good little lunch, whatever, before I head into work for today. So, you know. Uh, Let me say this when it comes to ordering fast food. It is the year of our Lord 2024, right? And in the year of our Lord 2024, when you go to order from any fast, fast food, fast casual spot, you need to be using an app, right? Like there's no reason... In the year 2024, for you to be pulling up to a drive through lane of any spot where you can order ahead and either walk in or go through the drive through to get your food. So that's number one. Right. So I, I go on the McDonald's app. I order me, you know, pull up the fries like I want to get some fries. I got a medium fry. And as I uh, went to pay, I saw that it was I think it was 454. For a medium fry, not a s and, and when I saw the price, I, I first said to myself, I said, yo, yo, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm bugging. I'm bugging, right? Ain't no way these fries is 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 by almost five dollars. Ain't no ain't no way. Yes, I'm rounding up from 454. Ain't no way these fries is five dollars. Like I gotta have maybe ordered went to order something else, messed up, and then went and realized I needed to double back and take that off because them fries should be about two, three dollars at the most. Absolutely not. Four dollars for some fries, people. 454 and at that point i said man what are we doing as a society like the price of gas like i saw somebody talk about how like when they were younger let me know what it was for y'all but when i was young and when i was a kid i remember gas being 99 cent a gallon like there there may be a day where i don't know if my son has ever seen gas below two dollars a gallon right? Like they hitting us over the head for everything. Amazon, the prime price is going up. Netflix done about to go up two times, man. I saw Wendy's was out here talking about, they was going to institute a surge pricing for when it got busy, they was going to raise the prices. And I said, yo, if I pull up to the, to the, to the window for the four for four, you tell me it's four for six because you busy. Like, what are we doing out here, yo? we have got to rise up and tell these people listen man inflation is over like we not still talk about inflation right now y'all charging us these prices because y'all figure what else y'all gonna do right like we gotta i don't know how we gonna do it i don't know how we start this revolution but when we ready to start the revolution I'm right here with y'all. I'm ready I'm ready for the revolution because we got to do something about these prices, fam. Like we cannot continue to charge these prices or we cannot continue to pay the prices. These people like, dog, four bucks. Let me tell ta- Wendy's, let me help y'all out. Now, I did find out that Wendy's was the most expensive fast food, uh, genre, or like the burger, like the burger spots and the most, fa- most expensive one. However, I feel like Wendy's provides and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong because I don't really eat Wendy's like that. I don't really eat fast food, fast food burgers like that. But in my estimation, Wendy's offers you the best bang for your buck because of the four for four, right? They got, you can mix and match. You can get the nuggets. You can get the little junior bacon cheeseburger. You can do this down the third, right? Wendy's, I want y'all to understand something. Y'all are the spot, like, when when that, when that times is hard, when you trying to make it till Friday and you trying to make that dollar holler, you trying to stretch it out until you get paid, that four for four come in handy. And if people pull up, to your spot. They just, uh, you know, maybe they don't. Sorry, I don't smoke. So forgive me for getting the motion wrong. They're a little chiefed a little bit and they ain't got a lot of bread on them. They headed to your spot. People don't hit the club. They don't party a little hard. They need a little greasy burger to try to stave the alcohol that's in their system. They come in and, y'all for the four for four, man. And if they pull up to the to the window and y'all tell them it's four for eight, man, y'all causing trouble. Like you causing a, it's gonna be it's gonna be some furniture moving at that Wendy's when they pull up and that four for four is four for eight, bro. So I I beseech thee, Wendy's. I beg of thee, Wendy's. Don't do it. Don't do it. But again, people, we got to do something. It's getting out of hand. When a, when when fries cost five dollars, and you ain't got nothing else on the on the on the ticket, we. We've to quote Michael Irvin, we're losing recipes. We're lo- we're losing the essence, people. All right. All right, let's jump into this, this next John, real quick. So Avatar. Live action avatar dropped last week. Um, or was it this week? I can't remember. I was it was last week. It was last week. Live Avatar dropped at last week. Um, and no, I'm not talking about, you know, James Cameron's avatar. The only avatar that I acknowledge is is our our leader, our fearless leader, Aang you know, his, his, his people's Katara soccer, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's avatar to me. So they, if you don't know avatar was a cartoon that came out on Nickelodeon, I think it's somewhere around 2008. I can't tell you for sure because I didn't start watching until it was in syndication on Nickelodeon around 2010, 11, excuse me. And so they, they have tried to adapt it once first M night Shyamalan um who destroyed the movie the live adaptation it was one of the worst movies i've ever seen one of the worst adaptations i ever think ever seen and here's the thing about adaptations right adaptations you are allowed to have some creative license with an adaptation you're allowed to maybe change some things around change some plot lines change some storylines what i don't think you should do you, are, you can do, but what you should not do is what M. Night did, and that was change the names of the, the pronunciations of the character's name. So it was not Aang, it was Ong. It was not Saka, it was Soka. It was not Iroh, it was Eero. And I look, maybe he was trying to be culturally appropriate. I have no idea. It was awful, though, right? So now all these years later, they come out with an adaptation, a live adaptation on Netflix. And I got to say, man, I think they did a really Really good job. Um, you know, they it's only eight episodes. I would have loved to see 10, maybe 12, to maybe flesh out a little bit more of the storylines from that season one. Season one is the book of water. Um, but I feel like they did a really good job, and I think there were there were issues and causes for concern in the process of developing the show because you had the show creators walk away from the project a couple of years ago. And so there were true concerns, but I felt like the set design, um, the CGI, it's not perfect, but it's done well. Um, The costuming, the storytelling, um, the actors who these are kids. Right. So, I mean, you know, you're not always going to get a stellar performance from kids. So but again, overall, it's a good series. I'm going to watch it again. It was dope. I hope that it gets a, a season two greenlit because I am going to be there to watch it. Now, I brought all this up to say. We are now living in a world, in a society where it is high fashion to hate on stuff, because the day the show dropped, the, I all I saw, I'm, that's not true. There were a lot of negative comments about this show calling it trash, saying it's no good, CGI's terrible, acting's terrible, plots terrible. They, I mean there were there were no true, in my opinion, honest critiques. It was just a bunch of tearing down the show before people had really gotten a chance to even try to dig in and dive in and watch the show. And I gotta I gotta ask man when did y'all become such losers? Like like what like like what when did this happen? When did y'all become such losers? And listen, I hate to even call y'all losers, but this is what y'all are, and I shouldn't call y'all losers because I know, listen, I know my Lord and Savior don't want me to be calling y'all losers. I know he does not want me calling another part of his creation losers, and I'm pretty sure when I stand before him, when my life is over, he's going to pull up this segment, and he's going to go, A1, would you care to explain why you were calling my people losers? And I'm going to look at him and, and be like, Lord, you saw them. You see it. ain't it, Meaning, it, mine it. Mo, look at these losers hating on the show. I know you see it. Like, I know you see it. You saw it just like I saw it. All these people hating on the show. And so it's like, y'all can't appreciate nothing. Y'all don't like nothing. Y'all don't rock with nothing. Like, nothing about the show was good. There's no the 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 backstory of how the, the air nation is wiped out by the fire, like that wasn't dope to y'all. Like, what are we talking about, bro? Like, and I and I don't. So I have a couple, I don't know when when exactly the turn the turn, because see, he, okay, here's my other, here's my other point about this, right? All of these people who were so offering so much disdain and such harsh critique of the show and how much they hated it and how much they didn't like it. You know what's going to happen if there's a season two? Those same people who claim to hate the show, who claimed that it was so bad, it was a terrible adaptation that they did bad by the the, the main characters, they're going to be watching in season two, offering the same trash on the internet. And I just... I don't know when we got to this place where people just come online to hate. Now, I can't pinpoint the exact time, but I feel like I have a good idea of when this this trend truly started, right? So from a, a sports perspective, I think about Tim Tebow, especially Tebow time with the Broncos, where ESPN every week, first take with Skip Bayless was finding ways to mention Tim Tebow show highlights put him into the the discourse of the of their shows and their programming and all I would see online were people who would be going nuts I'm sick of you talking about Tim Tebow he doesn't so some of the critique of Tebow was fair right like he he's not Doing much to help them win the game. Yes, the Tebow time late in the fourth quarters was a, a magical run for him. But the first three quarters, he was trash. Right. So some of the critiques were fair. But all I could see is, why are y'all talking about him? He's not that good. I hate this. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, OK, but guys, if y'all hate it. Why are you watching? Right. Like I like help me understand why you would hate watch something just to come online and tweet about it. Right. So from a from a sports perspective, I feel like that is the. The benchmark where we could say people showed up to hate was Tim Tebow from a a pop culture perspective. My guess I'm from a especially from a social media standpoint. My other guess would be the Kardashians right like like I I we get it we understand the infamy and in in which Kim Kardashian's name enters the cultural lexicon right we understand the the way she enters into our our consciousness it is not the most wholesome of of entrances right but as the keeping up with the Kardashians starts to take off and it starts to become popular and their show starts to permeate our social conscious, all I would see is I hate this. I hate the Kardashians. I can't stand Kim. We, she's only famous because of a sex tape. What actual talent do they have? It's not a good show. And, and again, my thing is, just like, guys, if you don't like it, don't watch. Like you don't have to do this. You don't, when they come across your timeline, you don't have to engage. You can keep scrolling. You do not have to comment. Shout out Mama Ward. She says, whatever happened to saying if you can't say something nice, say nothing. I don't know. I, I, I do not know wh- when <laughs> why we just simply cannot ignore. So I'm going to use myself as an example, right? I don't rock with Tyler Perry. Um that has not that has not always been the case. When I first started to watch uh Tyler Perry's uh plays as Medea, I thought they were funny. Um, I thought it was pretty dope, right? And then he ventured into movies. So I watched, you know, um, I almost said Woman Died Loose, that was TD Jake's. Um gosh, Diary of River Angry, die River Mad Black Woman, right? Like I watched that, I watched this other Jones, I watched why they got why did I get married, but we got to why did I get married too? And we went, to, I never forget me, my wife and a couple of uh, other couples went to go watch this in the theaters. And I left the movie theater so disgusted. I said, I will not support another Tyler, Tyler Perry project for the rest of my time. Now, I reneged on that a little bit. Um, I rock with Meet the Browns and that was because I liked David and Tamla Mann. So when that show was on, I watched it. But after that, I cannot name another Tyler Perry. My wife knows. I, you, I cannot name another Tyler Perry movie or TV show that I've watched, tried to support. And my wife knows. Like, she's watching other stuff from him. And she's like, you want to watch it? Nah, I'm good. I'm going to go do something else. Like, You want to go to the movies? Nah, I'm good. I'm going to go do something else. Like, Mia Copa just dropped, right? And one of the homies in the group chat said, yo, you going to watch me a couple? Like, I need somebody to watch this because I need them to discuss the absurdity of what I just saw. I need someone to dialogue about this, and I said, "Not your boy." <laughs> we like again, but I don't get online and say, "Me a couple's trash," or I, I don't pay attention to it. So listen, while I I, I appreciate your hate watching of Avatar, because you likely allowed it to get a second season. If you truly are disgusted by the show, you truly don't rock with the show. Don't watch it. Just let the people who enjoy it, enjoy it. I think this is a fair point from Mama Ward. Also, people can now hate online and hide behind an icon. This is absolutely the truth. This is absolutely 100 percent facts. People get online and they get digital beard muscles and they say things they would not dare say to another person's face. I'm not going to do it tonight, but on another night, I will share with you all the story of the time that I As a Christian, I went into an atheist blog space and I challenged one of them to drop their location. But that's another story for another day. I want to close the segment again by saying, if you don't rock with Avatar, just don't watch it, man. Just let us who enjoy the series, enjoy what they're doing. Let us enjoy. And if there's a critique to be had. Not not some hateful critique, but a true, honest critique of the show. Give an honest critique. I'm not so. I just want to be clear, right? I'm not saying that you can't say anything about the show or you can't critique it, but I feel like a lot of the critiques were not based in true. It it, it would they were not posted to hopefully make the show better. They were just posted out of I hate this, and I just I can't rock with that. I can't abide by that. All right, so let me know what y'all think, man. If y'all watched the uh, Avatar series. Uh, the last Airbender. Let me know what you think. How did you like it? What were your favorite moments? Uh, what you like? What you didn't like? If there's a season two, which I believe season two is going to be covering um, Earth, um, who would you want to see play Toph? I, last thing I'll say, I feel like they did a really great job on casting. Um, I don't really have too much complaints there, man. I, I can't. I think the other thing that I'm really excited to see because it's a live adaptation that you that they really didn't explore in the cartoon is we get to watch Aang grow, right? Gordon Cormier, who plays Aang, he's 12. I just saw an interview with him this week. His voice has already changed, so he's going through puberty. So if there is a season two, the next time we see him, he's going to be a little bit taller. His voice is going to be deeper now. So we get a chance to truly watch Aang grow. We had to... Kind of use our imaginations, right? Of of him growing older over a three year period, but we actually will get to see Gordon Cormier, the main actor, grow. So again, let me know what y'all think um, and mature and becoming a man. Let me know what y'all think. Hit me up hashtag Brains and Bars. Hit us up on Facebook, YouTube, IG, Twitter at Brains and Bars. Let me know what y'all think about the show. All right, all right. Let's jump into the next topic. All right, so we're, we're done with the pop culture stuff, man. Let's um. Let's get into college football real quick. So college football, um, they are in the news this week. Um, College football playoff committee has been meeting to one. They have solidified for the next two years, the 12 team playoff. It is a five plus seven model, which means um, you will have five uh, conference champions who will get automatic entry because of their winning their championship. And then you have seven, um, Forget the what's the word the the verbiage they've used there. Seven at large schools who will then make up uh, the next seven. Right. So they've gotten that settled. But this week there was news that came out of we went from four to twelve, and we're now already looking at going from twelve to fourteen. And so, what a fourteen team playoff would look like is you would have the Big Ten and the SEC would get three automatic qualifiers um from their from their conference who would make it in the ACC and the Big 12 would get two automatic qualifiers from their conference the best ranking school from the group of 5 would get an automatic qualifier and then there would be three at large bids now there has been another proposal floated because Notre Dame has a seat at the table in these conversations where possibly all of those things would still happen and if Notre Dame was ranked inside the top 14 they would qualify for the tourney as well so which would mean there would only be two at-large bids if that were the case. But I think the first proposal is more likely to take shape than this, that that little tweak I just uh discussed, right? And so I I think I've talked about this on the show before, right? I have talked about how college football is my favorite sport. It is not the best sport, right? I think the NFL is the best sport from a, a gameplay aesthetic, so on and so forth. And that even me saying that some of my friends will probably go, oh, you used to say the NBA. I, listen, you have you 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 get older, you mature and your opinions do change sometimes people. Right. But the NFL is probably the best product out, um, especially when you talk about football. College football is very fun because of the, the tradition, uh, the pageantry, the craziness of the sport. Right. This show was formed in. Part because of me and Ward arguing about college football in our group chats amongst our friends and. Going from four to 12 was something that I was not for, I didn't think we needed to expand that greatly to me, an 18 playoff was perfect at at worst at best. You have a 16 playoff for the, and to me, the 16 would have been a variable, right? To me, like if I were running college football, you would have a 16 playoff that would be, that wouldn't even be a 16 playoff most years. You would only invite six teams when you have a year like last year, where you have six teams who have truly earned the right or through their play, right? Deserve a spot in the playoff, but because of resume, because of losses, because of this, that, and the third, they don't get in, right? But to me, at best, a variable six-team tournament; at at worst, an eighteen tournament. But they went from four to twelve, and now they're talking about going to fourteen. And what the Big Ten, led by Tony Petiti, the commissioner, um, and Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, are proposing to me is really—it's whack. Like I don't even know it. It stinks. It's it's stupid right like it doesn't make sense to give the Big 10 and the SEC three automatic qualifiers and why do I say that because when you look at the college football playoff rankings they're dominated by Big 10 and SEC schools like i believe in the final rankings for the college football playoffs that determine who the four teams were you had um three you had four i believe SEC teams In the playoff, or I'm sorry, in a hypothetical 12 team, you would have had four SEC schools and then three Big Ten schools in a hypothetical playoff. So uh, to me, you're already going to have really healthy representation for those two schools. I'm trying to see if I can pull this up while I talk here. But in that final, so it's not counting, we're going to count Pac-12 teams as Pac-12 from this last iteration. but from the Big Ten, you would have had Michigan, you would have had Ohio State and Penn State in a 12-team tourney, right? In a 14, if you push it out to 14, now you add an extra SEC team in LSU, Um, you have Missouri that would have made it in a 14-team, you have Georgia, you have um Alabama, right? So you would have had, again, four SEC schools represented. And now that you have um, these, this extra addition of the Pac-12 schools into the Big Ten and then Oklahoma and Texas, right? If you add those teams into the mix, now we're talking five Big Ten schools and we're talking six SEC schools out of 14 slots. The only non-Big Ten SEC teams um would have been Florida State, Um, Arizona. Actually, I'm sorry, you would have, let's see, let me count to make sure I got there. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven SEC schools, excuse me. So we had seven SEC schools, six Big Ten schools and one and two um, non SEC schools in the mix or non SEC Big Ten. so you don't need automatic qualifiers when you have that many uh people many teams from those two conferences who are already in the mix and here's the thing the people who rank these things are going to automatically maybe not purposefully but there will be an unconscious bias towards especially sec schools but it also big 10 because of the reputation they carry. And let's be honest here, people, the college football playoff has been an SEC invitational that sometimes other schools happen outside of that conference happen to win. Right? Like if we keep it a buck, the Big Ten has really bought themselves inclusion into this playoff because their performance within the playoff has not been stellar. This is an SEC tourney that sometimes has Big Ten Teams win it, right? Or one year Florida State wins it, right? And part of the rationale be- behind them trying to go for uh, all of this automatic qual, all these automatic qualifiers as well. Well, our, our conference has balloon to have all these schools. We have 16 and 17 and 18 schools in our conference. And so we need to make sure that we have adequate representation. And my response to that is, who asked you to to go to 16 and 18 team leagues? That is not something we need or like. We didn't ask for this. We didn't ask you to raid the Pac-12 Big Ten. We didn't ask you to go take the best two schools out of the out of the Big 12 SEC. Your greed did this and your greed is what's pushing this thing on and your greed will ultimately be the thing that destroys the sport. Because here's my hot take, if you will. At some point. This thing will collapse because the pie can only grow. There's only so much sustainable growth within from a a capitalist standpoint with the NCAA. I'm not I'm sorry, with college football. They're trying to export it overseas, but it is not an it is not a true NFL model. Right. And so there's only but so much growth that is going to happen. And maybe and maybe it won't happen in the next 10 years. Maybe it won't happen in the next 15 years. Maybe it won't happen in the next 30, maybe not even within my my lifetime. But at some point, this thing is going to get so out of hand that you're going to have regional schools go it was better what we had was better than what we got now and they'll break away as sure as i'm living and breathing it will happen at some point they're going to break apart this thing will not last forever because the greed the pettiness and the ego will get in the way and destroy it at some point listen to me now believe me later on i don't know when it's gonna happen but it will happen someday so hopefully cooler heads will prevail people will make wise decisions and this committee will say you know what we're going to stick to 12 for the next 10 years and at some point maybe we'll we'll Push it out to 16 because I'm pretty it's it's going to happen eventually. They're going to go from 12 to 16. I wouldn't be surprised in 20 years if they try to go to 24, because this entire thing is about money. It's not about having the kids best interest at heart. It's not about doing the best thing for the fans. It's about how much money can we stuff in our pockets? And I will close this segment on this. G- expanding to 12 teams without paying the kids. You know, the ones who generate all this revenue that we all tune in to watch is nasty. Expanding it to 14 teams without not NIL, not endorsements, but without Notre Dame, Texas, Bama, Michigan, Ohio State, Clemson, Florida State, Georgia, without them cutting checks from these universities directly into these kids' pockets because they are true. Workers, they're not student athletes. They are are employees. Without them cutting them a check, it's nasty work. It's disgusting. And as long as that practice continues of not paying the players, there will never not be a time where I talk about college football and expansion of conferences or playoffs or TV deals or what have you, where I don't say you need to pay those kids what they're worth. Well, A1, how do you know what they're worth? I don't figure it out, but make sure they get their bread because they're the reason you can sell this game for billions of dollars to ESPN and Fox and NBC and guy, whoever else you decide to shill out to. Let me know what y'all think about that, man. Should the college football playoff expand to 14 teams? Should the Big Ten, should there be automatic qualifiers? Forget should the Big Ten or the SEC have them? Should there be automatic qualifiers at all? Matter of fact, there's one other stat I forgot to say about this, too. SEC and the Big Ten are, are, are talked about as the best conferences, right? Like this is this is without dispute, without a doubt, right? And I do want to give credit to the SEC for being so dominant. They are the best conference in the country. So what I want to, when I talk about this last final talking point, it is simply to to illustrate this. We can talk about hypothetically who's better. We can talk about who we deem to be the best conferences, but you still got to go out there and play and prove it on the field, right? So non-con records for for each of the Power Five last year. Three of the conferences had records that were 500 or better. Do you know which two conferences had below 500 non-con records? If you would have said the Big Ten and the SEC, ding 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 ding, you're the big winner. The ACC went 10 and nine. Big 12 went six and six. Big Ten five and eight. Pac-12 seven and three. The SEC seven and nine. So when we talk about who the best conferences are and who are the most deserving, and who's earned the spot, let's not always be so quick to side with the SEC and the Big Ten. Because these other guys play football, too. They got good kids playing at these schools, too. All right. All right. I'm off that, man. Let's keep it moving. Let's uh let's stay in the world of college of college sports real quick. Let's talk college basketball real quick. And I hate I didn't get a chance to, to record last week because I really wanted to get into this topic. But court storming. What are we doing with it? We're going to keep it. We're going to allow it. Should they do it? Should they not? Right. So if you haven't kept up, if you haven't been under rock you didn't see the story, Wake Forest plays Duke at Wake Forest. Really good game, by the way. Really entertaining back and forth game. Wake Forest pulls it out at the end. Kids storm the court. Um, their best player, Kyle Filipowski. He's not moving very fast off the court, to be honest. A kid runs into his knee. Honestly, the kid had a phone in his face trying to run by him and go, ha sucks to be you. And he hits his knee. Thankfully, Kyle Filipowski is okay. Um, And he played in, in Duke's last game and, and he appears to be able to continue his season. Thankfully it was not something, something worse. Right. And so this kicked off this entire firestorm of court storming. Should they allow it? Should they let this happen? And so on and so forth. And, Here's the thing. Court storming should absolutely be banned. It is very dangerous because you have all these people running onto the court. There have been stories of people. Um, some ah, I forget what school it was, but there was a person who got trampled. They had a heart attack and died. Right. Uh, I think there was a, a either a sports writer, or a player whose leg got broken because of fans rushing the court. Right. And so this is a huge liability that the school takes on, that if something catastrophic happens where you have multiple kids who get trampled who get hurt who are severely hurt and potentially die that school is now liable for the deaths of those children and can face litigation right they could face serious consequences if a star player has his leg torn up or her leg because Caitlin Carp got bumped into Um, if a star player gets hurt during one of these court or field stormings and their career, their future professional career is impacted by that. A school could be liable for for the damages to that person's then health and then future earnings as a professional athlete, right? So should they allow it? No, they absolutely should not allow it. Now, having said all that, They should absolutely continue the practice. Listen, man, this is one of the things you enjoy about college sports is the exuberance of the student section and of the fans. As much as I despise Duke because I am a North Carolina fan, I'm an indie football fan, North Carolina basketball fan. As much as I despise Duke, part of the charm of the rivalry between Carolina and Duke is the Cameron Crazies. As much as I despise that school and despise them as a label, as a crew. That's part of what makes this rivalry the rivalry are the fans, right? Or when you watch um, Notre Dame in Michigan or Notre Dame in USC or Florida, Georgia, Texas, OU, right? The fans are what make this rivalry the rivalry. And so while it is incredibly dangerous and I would like to see schools put some protocols in place to allow students and fans and, and whomever to rush the court or rush the field after a historic or a big victory, yes, there needs to be protocols put in place, right? I think if you are, are Duke, you're Duke. When people when people beat Duke, if you're any good, they're going to storm the court. To me, the only critique I would have of Kyle Filipowski is, my guy, you know what's about to happen. You know they're about to storm the court. Get off the court, my guy, Like, run. Don't saunter. Get off the court. Right. And there are a couple of other things of this I want to bring up as we uh, as we continue. So. There was. uh, During John Shire, who's Duke's head coach, right, during his time. As as a player. There was something that came to be known as Shire Face. This, there were these ugly faces that he would make while he played the game. right? This, this came to prominence during the year they won the title. And while he's shaking hands with Steve Forbes, the head coach of Wake Forest, there was an incredible Shire Face moment. Right. So I'm going to just bring this up on the screen real quick so you can see it. And hopefully you can get a good look at this. This is Shire face. Look at that whole top row up there. That is Shire. I mean, it's just it was a, just a really nasty, bitter, beer, beer face from Shire in that moment. All right. Sorry. I just had to point that out. But last thing I'll say. Uh, all right. One more thing I'll say about this. I think. <laughs> I think. um Uh, People have tried to talk bad about Wake Forest and say, well, you know, you were favored in the game. You got to act like you've been there before. Right. Like you beat Duke last year at home. And I just want to say this. I I got a couple of stats about that. Right. So since 2000. Wake is nine and thirty nine since 2000 against duke they're 8 and 14 at home they're 1 and 25 on the road yes they've beaten duke in back-to-back years but before that they had not beaten duke at home since the 2019 2020 season they have not had back-to-back home wins versus duke since 2007. what are we talking about you were favored so why are you storming the court they're wake forest what do you mean why are they storming the court this isn't this this isn't carolina and carolina has has stormed the court after some big wins against duke in like the last 5 years but this like like Josh Howard is not walking through that door CP3 is not walking through that door Tim Duncan and Randolph Childress they're not getting that caliber player year in and year out so most years they are the whipping boy for Duke Duke is coming to town and they're putting in work and they're going back to Durham so yes when Wake Forest Beats Duke at home until they consistently beat Duke at home. They're going to storm the court, guys. And so, if you're awake and you know this, you have a decent team that has an opportunity to beat Duke. You have to have some protocols. I think the best idea I've heard is, once the game is over, you put a timer up that says thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. We'll put the clock. We have a clock on the on the on the scoreboard. Thirty seconds. We allow the the players to get off the floor. We allow them to shake hands. The opposing team can leave and you can come rush the floor and still enjoy that win with your team. I think that's a fair, a fair compromise, right? And then hopefully security is doing everything they can to help people get out of the stands onto the court and watch for any instances of someone who might trip and fall so that they don't get seriously hurt. But to close, court storming. Is super dangerous. However, it's a part of what makes college sports college sports. So let's find a way to not ruin that too, like you ruined almost everything else with this with this great sport of basketball and football. Let's fix it, make it, um, make it safe for everyone, and make it so that we can enjoy those sporadic and great moments in sports. So let me know what y'all think, man. Should sports storming be allowed? Um, how should we handle it going forward? Hit us up at Brains and Bars on Facebook, IG, and Twitter. All right, a couple of more things. We're about to get out of here. All right. So let's go to the world of the NFL. So I have a obviously we got the NFL draft. I'm sorry, the combine happening this week. Um, want to probably reach out to someone who is covering this to try to talk more about it a little bit more in depth, add a little bit more to the conversation than I myself could add. However, I want to I have one leftover thought from the Super Bowl. And this is kind of is this is going to be a Chiefs segment, right? There's going to be heavy on the Chiefs. But is Chris Jones a first ballot Hall of Famer? Now, I do think Chris Jones is a Hall of Famer, but has Chris Jones reached skip the line territory? Right? Because there are certain players. Patrick Mahomes right now could call it a career. He, and five years later, he's first ballot, skip the line. Travis Kelsey, first ballot, skip the line. Whenever Andy Reid hangs it up, first ballot, skip the line. Um, I know there's been a a push for Steve Spagnuolo, interestingly enough. He's a five-time Super Bowl champion to skip the line. Or it might be four-time. I don't know if he was the D coordinator for the the second time they beat Brady. He might have been. But he's a four-time Super Bowl champion for sure. There have been talks about, well, him being becoming the first defensive or first coordinator, right, to make the Hall of Fame. So you have these certain caliber of players whose resume is so stacked that they're going to get in whenever they decide to retire. Here is my pitch. If I were in the room, because the writers vote on this, if I were in the room, here's my pitch for why Chris Jones should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a three-time champion. We got to start with that, right? On that, on this, chi- in this Chiefs dynasty, he has been. I don't want to hit—not far and away—it's best player, but he has been. It's the best player, and if he wasn't the best player, he might have been the second best player on three championship teams. He's a five-time All-Pro, two-time first team, three-time second team All-Pro. Um, I forget how many Pro Bowls. I think it's like four or five Pro Bowls he's made to this point, which I don't really throw Pro Bowls in there because that accomplishment has become a little bit watered down because of how many people turn it down. Right. Um, But he also is a three time champion who's got some really big moments in at least two of their three Super Bowl victories. Like I don't remember anything from. Super Bowl, the, the last year's Super Bowl against uh the Philly that really stood out. But in this Super Bowl, he's got a couple of moments, obviously, where he possibly prevents touchdowns, right? He's taking points off the board in the the first Super Bowl, right? He's batting passes that were that should have been completions that potentially helped San Francisco win that first matchup. And so when you talk about narrative when it comes to Chris Jones. He is probably the second, at best, the second best defensive tackle of his generation. At worst, the fifth or sixth, or somewhere in the top ten, right? Because Aaron Aaron Donald has that unlocked, right? Like nobody's surpassing Aaron Donald. When you look at his contemporaries, Bryant Young, to me, who just went in in 2022, is his closest contemporary. That at least on the top of my head, right? Brian Young has the Tyler 94 with the Niners. He was a three-time All-Pro, once on the first team, three times on the second team. Um, And to me, when you look at his resume, when you take all of that into account, to me, that is the makings of a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's the, he is part of the foundation of the Chiefs dynasty, right? I think the one knock you're going to have against him is that his numbers are not up to par with most of these greats. Like even with Brian Young, Brian Young. Brian Young has far better numbers than Chris. Um, obviously, when you compare it to someone like Aaron Donald, who's a skip the line guy, Aaron Donald has other worldly stats in comparison to Chris Jones. But to me, like I said, when you look at Chris, and what he's done and what he's meant to the organization, again, he's a foundational piece of the dynasty on the defensive side. Right. To me, I and you never know with the voters because the voters can be fickle. You don't know who is what other skip the line guys might retire the same year. Chris does or other guys who are really close and gaining momentum, momentum towards uh, getting into the hall, how that all affects things. But to me, I think Chris has a pretty decent shot, especially if they 3 Pete, especially if he can rack up a couple of more first-team uh, first, first all-pros. If, if he ends his career with five first-team all-pros, three championships, I, I to me, you have a hard time keeping him out at that point. Now let me know what y'all think about that, right? But continuing in the Chiefs' kingdom, that leads me to free agency because we are now in a space where free agency, I believe, kicks off in, I think today's the first in 10 days, free agency, I believe, kicks off. This is kind of like this legal tampering period where at the combine, people are going to be talking, having lots of people are going to be speaking with agents about deals. They're not supposed to, but they allow it. Um, and so the Chiefs are in a in a place where they are. They want to resign both with Sneed. Chris Jones, I think those are at the top of their priority list from a re-signing standpoint. They've already franchised Legarius Sneed um, with the understanding that they'll try to work out a deal. If they can't work out a deal, they will trade him. Brett Veach has said getting Chris Jones because they did not franchise tag him. Coming to a deal fairly quickly before the free agent period opens up because he will then be free to talk to anybody is at the top of their list. And so that leads me to this interesting question. If you are Brett Veach and you are a Chiefs Kingdom fan, which one is more important to you? Is re-signing Ligerius more important or is re-signing Chris? Now, if you followed this show, you know I've been on the pay, pay that man his money since last offseason. I think Chris Jones, once again, as I just stated, foundational piece of the franchise and of these championship-winning teams, and to me, having a guy, it is great to have someone who can provide pressure on the edge, but it is even better when you have someone who can wreck the middle of an offensive line because then it forces your quarterback towards those edge rushers because he can't stay in a pocket that is already collapsing from the inside. I like LeJarrius Sneed. In a perfect world, the Niners would go get LeJarrius Sneed in a perfect world. However, if you go watch that Super Bowl, there are plays to be had on the Jerry He gets beat badly on what should have been possibly two touchdowns. But you know what happened? Chris Jones or George Karloftis or someone else on that defensive line got pressure and didn't allow Brock Purdy to complete the pass, right? It's a real kind of chicken or the egg thing, which matters more, a great coverage cornerback or a great lineman, right? My my, um, thoughts is that the lineman is the one that matters more because if you can get that instant pressure, it allows, if your cornerback is any worth his salt in doing his job, you're going to affect the, the 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 process of that particular play. So for me, my if I'm saying if I'm Brett Beach or if I'm in in that seat, I am absolutely doing exactly what he did, which is franchise tagging Snead and trying to get a deal done with Chris Jones before he can walk out that door. Because again, I think Chris Jones has maybe 3 years. If I can get him a 4-year deal, with something that's uh, you know heavy on early guarantees and signing bonus and backloaded, so at the final, at the back half of his career, I can potentially cut strings if he's starting to fall off in year three. That's what I would do, and if I and I would try to go find a cornerback in the draft or maybe somebody in free agency, maybe Xavier Howard. Maybe he won't come as expensive as Legereus Need. I don't know. He's a little bit older, a little bit. He's been banged up coming off injury. And if you know anything about Brett Veach and the Chiefs, they love an open box special. <laughs> they love they love to find a player out there who who can, who they can be had a little bit of a discount. And I get it. Right. You're paying Pat Mahomes all that money. I understand. But y'all let me know what y'all think. Chiefs Kingdom. Who would you rather have going into free agency? Chris Jones or the Jerry If you can only choose one. All right, so last thing on the Chiefs. Um, they this week released a video detailing um, their desire to renovate Arrowhead Stadium. Now, part of this is banking on the Royals moving downtown into the Crossroads District. Um, And then once they leave, then they bulldoze the K and then they build this whole new palatial, you know, walk, new walkways, tailgating, uh, VIP, right? All these things that would just enhance the fan experience. However, as the same time as that uh, piece of news is being dropped, the NFL Players Association drops their uh ratings <laughs> for teams on various different things uh training staff facilities coaching ownership um family I, I you'll see in a second like family setup all this stuff right and the chiefs well for those of you who are watching on YouTube and if you're listening on podcasts please take the time to go to YouTube so you can see what I'm about to show the people here this is the Chiefs' scorecard. And let me tell you something. If this were being graded on a cumulative scale, they would be flunking because this these grades are close to flunking, I should say, because these grades are not good. Treatment of families, D, nutrition, locker room, uh, training staff all get Fs. Ownership gets an F minus, which is crazy to me given the fact that this is a three, three time championship winning team in five years and F minus for ownership is just mind boggling. Now let's be, I want to be fair to the organization. I have no idea what this really means, right? Like I, to me, this doesn't let me know anything other than the players are maybe just a little dissatisfied with some things, right? Like, I mean, that is, that's the, the first step, but I don't understand. I'm not sure exactly what the, what the point is of this, right? what the bigger picture of this is because you know i know mike evans is going to be a free agent right he's working he's still talking to the bucks but he's going to test the market let's just say they offer mike evans 25 million a year for three years i think mike evans is coming to kansas city if that's the case if that's the deal he's being offered right so it's not as if This hinders the Chiefs in signing free agents or getting people to come to Kansas City. However, I will say this. When you look at that ownership score, when you look at the facility score, and I think a big uh, part of the facility score is they wanted to have, you know, an upgraded facilities for because they spend their time not in the locker room inside arrowhead but at the practice facility they spent a lot of because that's where they practiced they spent all their time there right and so i know clark hunt promised that things were going to be improved things were going to be better but they had not that didn't happen right i think all they got were chairs they got chairs that had backs on them which To me, that just seemed like that was the least you could do. Right. Uh, Maybe I'm tripping. Maybe I'm tripping. Um, There's a perception that I've seen float around on social media from various not like, you know, uh, these troll accounts, but from actual sourced real journalists, real people that the chiefs are cheap. Now, that's an EBP situation. It's everybody but Pat. Right. Like they're not being cheap with with pat right patrick mahomes is getting if he wants a new deal patrick mahomes is getting a new deal everybody else well you kind of you know we'll see you get in where you fit in right there's a little bit of like i said of i believe of a reputation that they're cheap and whether that's fair or not i think when you look at those scores when you look at the treatment of families when you look at the facilities when you look at the the ownership the dietitian training staff so on and so forth which if you're part of the training staff, like, how do you feel? Like, dog, D? A D? Anyway, um, I think that there could be a little bit of people, this this is confirmation bias for those people who feel like, yeah, Clark Hunt's not, he's, he's going to do the bare minimum, right? I'm not going to call him Mike Brown of the Bengals, because if I show you some of the comments from their scorecard, that's pretty crazy. But, yeah, I think there's a little bit of that going on where people that that perception is going to be there. And to be honest, I think when you think about them missing out on some of these free agent wide receivers, the Odell Beckhams, the DeAndre Hopkins. um, I think most Kansas City Chiefs fans have already dismissed the idea or notion that they could even sign a Mike Evans. I do wonder how this affects those kind of players that the Chiefs might want to sign. Not necessarily the MVS's of the world or the Donovan Smith's of the world. But again, that second tier star player that could really help shore up a position group that they just seem to keep striking out on. I do wonder how that scorecard might affect them. And how they may feel about potentially coming to Kansas City. Now, I'm willing to be wrong about that. And I could be, you know, you get something right, you get something wrong. Just my thoughts. But y'all let me know what y'all think about that, man. Like. How do what do you think about the chief score? How does do you think that affects their ability to sign particular key free agents? Do you think it matters at all? And if so, how does it matter? Hit us up at Facebook, Instagram. Or Twitter at Brands and Bars. Let me know what you think about that. All right. So that's pretty much the show today. I just want to do one last thing on our way out the door because we do talk battle rap from time to time. And I have done this in the past. I want to bring this back. YouTube drops of the week. And I'm a little bit late in doing this. So I got three of them things. Actually, I got four of them things because three of them things is symbolic for the fourth one that I'm going to post or talk about. So first up, YouTube drops of the week. We got from Shout out to the Good People in Michigan, Bar Wars Battle League. Um, they had a battle that happened at the beginning of the year. It was Lady Caution versus Seabree, the lyricist that happened. Um, like I said, I believe it was in January. Really good battle. Um, you know, little stumbles here and there between the two ladies. Um, I got Seabree, the lyricist, though, taking this battle to one, second and third. I believe second and third. I feel pretty confident in that. Um, but like I said, check out Bar Wars Sea Breeder Lyricist versus Lady Caution, YouTube Drop of the Week. That's the first one. All right, second one, we're going to I battle Shout out to I battle Always a good time at iBattle. They had a battle that Ward has been pushing me and bugging me to watch for at least a good two months or so. Homeschool versus SoulCon. Dope back and forth. I actually finally got to watch this battle in its entirety last week. Um, I thought homeschool took the battle to one second and third. I thought it was the best Soulcon. con. Now, granted, I'm not a battle rap historian. I haven't been in the culture forever and ever in a day. I don't have a battle rap lifespan. Shout out to Rex. Um, but I have seen just about every Soulcon battle since his return. I believe that the only one I have not seen was against QP on GTX. Um, and to me, Barring watching that performance, it's the best SoulCon since his return. To me, I haven't seen every homeschool battle, but to me, this is a top three, if not the best homeschool battle I've seen this year. So go check out homeschool versus SoulCon on iBattle. Shout out to them. And then, last but not least, or actually, not last but not least, but for the three of them things. Um, this battle dropped on URLTV.tv. Shout out the in, the innovators, not the imitators, right? The worldwide leader in battle rap. They dropped on Pat Stay's birthday. R.I.P. Long live Pat Stay. They dropped his final battle ever. Pat Stay versus Real Sick. Um, a really good battle. I have not had a chance to go back and watch this battle, but I wanted again my initial goal of doing the show. I believe last week was Pat's birthday. Was to highlight and shout out this battle. Um, because it's an important battle right he's one of the icons within the culture his life was tragically taken in september of 2022 um and so you know like like i said man like you know go check out this battle i've watched it i watched it live i watched it when it dropped on the UR, url tv app um it's been a while so i can't tell you who i got winning man but go check out that battle commemorate a legend salute a legend in his final performance. Shout out to URL and shout out to to the to the the team there, right? Because they didn't have to drop that on the app. Let's just be real. They could have kept that battle on the app and said, "If you want to see it, you got to go pay seven ninety nine, get the app, and check it out." So, salute to Chico P, Beasley, Smack. Shout out to them for doing it on his birthday as well. I thought that was a very nice touch and a very nice gesture. So shout out to URL. And speaking of URL, the final YouTube, it's not really YouTube, it's really an app drop. Chef Trez versus um, Fons dropped on the app this week. That is, I haven't made my way through that entire battle, but I wanted to at least shout it out because it I'm through the first, I think round, I think I'm in, into Chef Trez's second. The first round from both of them was fire. (laughs) Really dope rounds, really dope material, man. Um, So I can't wait. I'm probably going to finish the rest of it this weekend. But if you have the app, go check out Chef Trez versus Real Sick. If you want to see it, I'm sorry, Chef Trez versus, I'm going to say Real Sick, Chef Trez versus Fonz. Go check it out. If you don't have the app, get the app. $7.99 a month. Check out the battles. All right. That's my time, man. One more time. YouTube drops in a week. Shout out to Bar Wars. Lady Caution versus Seabree the Lyricist. Dope battle between two good female MCs. I battle Homeschool versus SoCon. Really, really dope back and forth. By the way, Homeschool's third. Really touching. Fire third. One of his best rounds ever. Pat Stay versus Real Sick. Long live Pat Stay, man. Go check that battle out on URL TV. And then URL TV app. Chef Trez finds. Check them out. That's my time, man. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching. Please remember, you can check out every episode of It's a Black and White Thing by going to the podcast app of your choice, searching for It's a Black and White Thing or hashtag Brains and Bars. Rate, review, subscribe, share all that good stuff. You can also check out every episode uh that we do on YouTube by searching at Brains and Bars. Five, give us—I'm gonna say five stars. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe, share. Tell a friend and tell a friend to those boys again. Um, you can also follow us on social media by going to you, YouTube, by going to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter searching at brands and bars. Follow us on each of those platforms. Shout out my guy A Ward, man. Like I said, he's in New York. Caskets versus class caskets versus classics two going down this weekend. Queen of the Ring, give it up for the lady. Shout out Debo, shout out Vague. shout out Fabs that's my time man to next time it's been a black and white thing good night y'all have a good evening and i will holler at y'all next week